May, part one of the Diary of Samuel Pepys, 1663. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Diary of Samuel Pepys, 1663, by Samuel Pepys. May, 1663, part one. May 1st. Up betimes, and my father with me, and he and I all the morning, and Will Stanks private, in my wife's closet above, settling our matters concerning our Brampton estate, etc. And I find that there will be, after all debts paid, within one hundred pounds, fifty pounds per annum clear coming towards my father's maintenance, besides twenty-five pounds per annum annuities to my uncle Thomas and aunt Perkins, of which, though I was in my mind glad, yet thought it not fit to let my father know it thoroughly, but after he had gone out to visit my uncle Thomas, and brought him to dinner with him, and after dinner I got my father, brother Tom, and myself together, I did make the business worse to them, and did promise twenty pounds out of my own purse to make it fifty pounds a year to my father, propounding that Stortlow may be sold to pay two hundred pounds for his satisfaction therein, and the rest to go towards payment of debts and legacies. The truth is, I am fearful lest my father should die before debts are paid, and then the land goes to Tom, and the burden of paying all debts will fall upon the rest of the land. Not that I would do my brother any real hurt. I advise my father to good husbandry, and to living within the compass of fifty pounds a year, and all in such kind words as not only made them but myself to weep, and I hope it will have a good effect. That being done, and all things agreed on, we went down, and after a glass of wine we all took horse, and I, upon a horse hired of Mr. Game, saw him out of london at the end of bishopsgate street and so i turned and rode with some trouble through the fields and then holborn etc towards hyde park whither all the world i think are going and in my going almost thither met w howe coming galloping upon a little crop black nag it seems one that was taken in some ground of my lord's by some mischance being left by his master a thief this horse being found with black cloth ears on and a false mane having none of his own and I back again with him to the chequer at Charing Cross, and there put up my own dull jade, and by his advice saddled a delicate stone horse of Captain Ferris's, and with that rid in state to the park, where none better mounted than I almost, but being in a throng of horses, seeing the king's riders showing tricks with their managed horses, which were very strange, my stone horse was very troublesome, and begun to fight with other horses, to the dangering him and myself, and with much ado I got out, and kept myself out of harm's way. Here I saw nothing good, neither the king nor my lady Castlemaine, nor any great ladies or beauties being there, there being more pleasure a great deal at an ordinary day, or else those few good faces that there were, choked up with the many bad ones, there being people of all sorts in coaches there, to some thousands, I think. Going thither in the highway, just by the park gate, I met a boy in a sculler-boat, carried by a dozen people at least, rowing as hard as he could drive, it seems upon some wager. By and by, about seven or eight o'clock, homeward and changing my horse again i rode home coaches going in great crowds to the further end of the town almost in my way in leadenhall street there was morris dancing which i have not seen a great while so set my horse up at games paying five shillings for him and so home to see sir j minnes who is well again and after staying talking with him a while i took leave and went to hear mrs turner's daughter at whose house sir j minnes lies play on the harpsichord but lord it was enough to make any man sick to hear her yet I was forced to commend her highly. So home to supper and to bed, Ashwell playing upon the triangle very well before I went to bed. 
This day Captain Grove sent me a side of pork, which was the oddest present, sure, that was ever made any man. And the next, I remember I told my wife, I believe would be a pound of candles, or a shoulder of mutton. But the fellow do it in kindness, and is one I am beholden to. So to bed very weary, and a little galled for lack of riding, praying to God for a good journey to my father, of whom I am afeard, he being so lately ill of his pain. Second. Being weary last night, I slept till almost seven o'clock, a thing I have not done many a day. So up into my office, being come to some angry words with my wife about neglecting the keeping of the house clean, I calling her beggar, and she me pricklouse, which vexed me, and there all the morning. So to the exchange, and then home to dinner, and very merry, and well pleased with my wife, and so to the office again, where we met extraordinary upon drawing up the debts of the navy to my lord treasurer. So rose and up to Sir W. Penn to drink a glass of bad cider in his new Farlow dining-room, which is very noble, and so home, where Captain Ferrers and his lady are come to see my wife, he being to go the beginning of next week to France to see, and I think to fetch over my young Lord Hinchinbrook. They being gone, I to my office to write letters by the post, and so home to supper, and to bed. Third, Lord's Day up before five o'clock and alone at setting my brampton papers to rights according to my father's and my computation and resolution the other day to my good content i finding that there will be clear save to us fifty pounds per annum only a debt of it may be a hundred pounds so made myself ready and to church where sir w pen showed me the young lady which young dawes that sits in the new corner pew in the church hath stole away from sir andrew rickard her guardian worth a thousand pounds per annum present good land and some money and a very well-bred and handsome lady. He, I doubt, but a simple fellow. However, he got this good luck to get her, which methinks I could envy him with all my heart. Home to dinner with my wife, who, not being very well, did not dress herself, but stayed at home all day. And so I to church in the afternoon, and so home again, and up to teach Ashwell the grounds of time, and other things on the triangle, and made her take out her psalm very well, she having a good ear and hand. And so a while to my office, and then home to supper and prayers, to bed my wife and i having a little falling out because i would not leave my discourse below with her and ashwell to go up and talk with her alone upon something she has to say she reproached me but i had rather talk with anybody than her by which i find i think she is jealous of my freedom with ashwell which i must avoid giving occasion of fourth up betimes and to setting my brampton papers in order and looking over my wardrobe against summer and laying things in order to send to my brother to alter by and by took boat, intending to have gone down to Woolwich, but seeing I could not get back time enough to dinner, I returned and home. Whither by and by the dancing-master came, whom standing by, seeing him instructing my wife, when he had done with her, he would needs have me try the steps of a coranto, and what with his desire and my wife's importunity I did begin, and then was obliged to give him entry-money ten shillings, and am become his scholar. The truth is, I think it a thing very useful for a gentleman, and sometimes I may have occasion of using it, and though it cost me what I am heartily sorry it should, besides that I must by my oath give half as much more to the poor, yet I am resolved to get it up some other way, and then it will not be above a month or two in a year. So though it be against my stomach, yet I will try it a little while. If I see it comes to any great inconvenience or charge, I will fling it off. After I had begun with the steps of half a coranto, which I think I shall learn well enough, he went away, and we to dinner, and by and by out by coach, and sent my wife down at my lord Crewe's, going to see my lady Jem Montague, who is lately come to town, and I to St. James's, 
where mr coventry sir w pen and i stayed a good while for the duke's coming in but not coming we walked to whitehall and meeting the king we followed him into the park where mr coventry and he talked of building a new yacht which the king is resolved to have built out of his privy purse he having some contrivance of his own the talk being done we fell off to whitehall leaving the king in the park and going back met the duke going towards st james to meet us so he turned back again and to his closet at whitehall and there my lord sandwich present we did our weekly errand and so broke up and i down into the garden with my lord sandwich after we had sat an hour at the tangier committee and after talking largely of his own businesses we began to talk how matters are at court and though he did not flatly tell me any such thing yet i do suspect that all is not kind between the king and the duke and that the king's fondness to the little duke do occasion it and it may be that there is some fear of his being made heir to the crown but this my lord did not tell me but is my guess only and that my lord chancellor is without doubt falling past hopes he being gone to chelsea by coach i to his lodgings where my wife stayed for me and she from thence to see mrs pierce and called me at whitehall stairs where i went before by land to know whether there was any play at court to-night and there being none she and i to mr creed to the exchange where she bought something and from thence by water to whitefriars and wife to see mrs turner and then came to me at my brother's where i did give him order about my summer clothes and so home by coach and after supper to bed to my wife with whom i have not lain since i used to lie with my father till to-night fifth up betimes and to my office and there busy all the morning among other things walked a good while up and down with sir j minnes he telling many old stories of the navy and of the state of the navy at the beginning of the late troubles and i am troubled at my heart to think and shall hereafter cease to wonder at the bad success of the king's cause when such a knave as he if it be true what he says had the whole management of the fleet and the design of putting out of my lord warwick and carrying the fleet to the king wherein he failed most fatally to the king's ruin dined at home and after dinner up to try my dance and so to the office again where we sat all the afternoon in the evening dean of woolwich went home with me and showed me the use of a little sliding ruler less than that i bought the other day which is the same with that but more portable however i did not seem to understand or even to have seen anything of it before but i find him an ingenious fellow and a good servant in his place to the king thence to my office busy writing letters and then came sir w warren staying for a letter in his business by the post and while that was writing he and i talked about merchandise trade and getting of money i made it my business to inquire what way there is for a man bred like me to come to understand anything of trade he did most discreetly answer me in all things shewing me the danger for me to meddle either in ships or merchandise of any sort or common stocks but what i have to keep at interest which is a good quiet and easy profit and once in a little while something offers that with ready money you may make use of money to good profit wherein i concur much with him and parted late with great pleasure and content in his discourse and so home to supper and to bed it has been this afternoon very hot and this evening also and about eleven at night going to bed it fell a thundering and lightning the greatest flashes and lightning the whole body of the yard that ever i saw in my life up betimes and to my office a good while at my new rulers then to business and towards noon to the exchange with creed where we met with sir j minnes coming in his coach from westminster who tells us in great heat that by god the parliament will make mad work that they will render all men incapable of any military or civil employment that have borne arms in the late troubles against the king excepting some persons which if it be so as i hope it is not 
will give great cause of discontent, and I doubt will have but bad effects. I left them at the exchange and walked to Paul's churchyard, to look upon a book or two, and so back, and thence to the Trinity House, and there dined, where, among other discourse worth hearing among the old seamen, they tell us that they have catched often in Greenland, in fishing whales with the iron grapnels, that had formerly been struck into their bodies, covered over with fat, that they have had eleven hogsheads of oil out of the tongue of a whale. Thence, after dinner, home to my office, and there busy till the evening. Then home and to supper, and while at supper comes Mr. Pembleton, and after supper we up to our dancing-room, and there danced three or four country dancers, and after that a practice of my coranto, I began with him the other day, and I begin to think that I shall be able to do something at it in time. Late and merry at it, and so weary to bed. Seventh, up betimes and to my office a while, and then by water with my wife, leaving her at the new exchange, and I to see Dr. Williams, and spoke with him about my business with Tom Trice, and so to my brothers, who I find very careful nowadays, more than ordinary in his business, and like to do well. From thence to Westminster, and there up and down from the hall to the lobby, the Parliament sitting. Sir Thomas Crewe this day tells me that the Queen, hearing that there was forty thousand pounds per annum brought into her account, among the other expenses of the Crown, to the Committee of Parliament, she took order to let them know that she hath yet for the payment of her whole family received but four thousand pounds, which is a notable act of spirit, and I believe is true. So by coach to my Lord Crewe's, and there dined with him. He tells me of the order the House of Commons have made for the drawing an act for the rendering none capable of preferment or employment in the State, but who have been loyal and constant to the King and Church, which will be fatal to a great many, and makes me doubt lest I myself, with all my innocence during the late times, should be brought in, being employed in the Exchequer, but I hope God will provide for me. This day the new Theatre Royal begins to act with scenes the humorous lieutenant, but I have not time to see it nor could stay to see my lady jemima lately come to town and who was here in the house but dined above with her grandmother but taking my wife at my brother's home by coach and the officers being at deptford at a pay we had no office but i took my wife by water and so spent the evening and so home with great pleasure to supper and then to bed eighth up very early and to my office there preparing letters to my father of great import in the settling of our affairs and putting him upon a way of good husbandry, I promising to make out of my own purse him up to fifty pounds per annum, till either by my uncle Thomas's death or the fall of the wardrobe place he be otherwise provided. That done, I by water to the Strand, and there viewed the Queen Mother's works at Somerset House, and thence to the new playhouse, but could not get in to see it. So to visit my Lady Jemima, who is grown much since I saw her, but lacks mightily to be brought into the fashion of the court to set her off thence to the temple, and there sat till one o'clock reading at Playford's in Dr. Usher's Body of Divinity, his Discourse of the Scripture, which is as much, I believe, as is anywhere said by any man. But yet there is room to cavil, if a man would use no faith to the tradition of the church in which he is born, which I think to be as good an argument as most is brought for many things, and it may be for that among others. Thence to my brother's, and there took up my wife and Ashwell to the Theatre Royal, being the second day of its being opened. The house is made with extraordinary good contrivance, and yet hath some faults, as the narrowness of the passages, in and out of the pit, and the distance from the stage to the boxes, which I am confident cannot hear. But for all other things it is well, only above all, the music being below, and most of it sounding under the very stage, 
there is no hearing of the basses at all nor very well of the trebles which sure must be mended the play was the humorous lieutenant a play that hath little good in it nor much in the very part which by the king's command lacy now acts instead of clun in the dance the tall devil's actions was very pretty the play being done we home by water having been a little shamed that my wife and woman were in such a pickle all the ladies being finer and better dressed in the pit than they used i think to be to my office to set down this day's passage and though my oath against going to plays do not oblige me against this house because it was not then in being yet believing that at the time my meaning was against all public houses i am resolved to deny myself the liberty of two plays at court which are in arrear to me for the months of march and april which will more than countervail this excess so that this month of may is the first that i must claim a liberty of going to a court play according to my oath so home to supper and at supper comes pembleton and afterwards we all up to dancing till late and so broke up and to bed and they say that i am like to make a dancer ninth up betimes and to my office whither sooner than ordinary comes mr hater desiring to speak a word to me alone which i was from the disorder of his countenance amused at and so the poor man began telling me that by providence being the last lord's day at a meeting of some friends upon doing of their duties they were surprised and he carried to the counter but afterwards released however hearing that sir w batten do hear of it he thought it good to give me an account of it lest it might tend to any prejudice to me i was extraordinarily surprised with it and troubled for him knowing that now it is out it is impossible for me to conceal it or keep him in employment under me without danger to myself i cast about all i could and did give him the best advice i could desiring to know if i should promise that he would not for the time to come commit the same he told me he desired that i would rather forbear to promise that for he durst not do it whatever god in his providence shall do with him and that for my part he did bless god and thank me for all the love and kindness i have shewed him hitherto i could not without tears in my eyes discourse with him further but at last did pitch upon telling the truth of the whole to mr coventry as soon as i could and to that end did use means to prevent sir w batten who came to town last night from going to that end to-day lest he might do it to sir g carteret or mr coventry before me which i did prevail and kept him at the office all the morning at noon dined at home with a heavy heart for the poor man and after dinner went out to my brother's and thence to westminster where at mr jervis's my old barber i did try two or three borders and periwigs meaning to wear one and yet i have no stomach for it but that the pains of keeping my hair clean is so great he trimmed me and at last i parted but my mind was almost altered from my first purpose from the trouble that i foresee will be in wearing them also thence by water home and to the office where busy late and so home to supper and bed with my mind much troubled about t hater tenth lord's day up betimes and put on a black cloth suit with white linings under all as the fashion is to wear to appear under the breeches so being ready walked to st james's where i sat talking with mr coventry while he made himself ready about several businesses of the navy and afterwards the duke being gone out he and i walked to whitehall together over the park i telling him what had happened to tom hater at which he seems very sorry but tells me that if it is not made very public it will not be necessary to put him away at present but give him good caution for the time to come however he will speak to the duke about it and know his pleasure parted with him there and i walked back to st james's and was there at mass and was forced in the crowd to kneel down and mass being done to the king's head ordinary with i sent for mr creed and there we dined where many parliament men 
and most of their talk was about the news from scotland that the bishop of galloway was besieged in his house by some woman and had liked to have been outraged but i know not how he was secured which is bad news and looks just as it did in the beginning of the late troubles from thence they talked of rebellion and i perceive they make it their great maxim to be sure to master the city of london whatever comes of it or from it after that to some other discourse and among other things talking of the way of ordinaries that it is very convenient because a man knows what he hath to pay one did wish that among many bad we could learn two good things of france which were that we would not think it below the gentleman or person of honour at a tavern to bargain for his meat before he eats it and next to take no servant without certificate from some friend or gentleman of his good behaviour and abilities hence with creed into st james's park and there walked all the afternoon and thence on foot home and after a little while at my office walked in the garden with my wife and so home to supper and after prayers to bed my brother tom supped with me and should have brought my aunt ellen with him she was not free to go abroad eleventh up betimes and by water to woolwich on board the royal james to see in what dispatch she is to be carried about to chatham so to the yard a little and thence on foot to greenwich where going i was set upon by a great dog who got hold of my garters and might have done me hurt but lord to see in what a maze i was that having a sword about me i never thought of it or had the heart to make use of it but might for want of that courage have been worried took water there and home and both coming and going did con my lesson on my ruler to measure timber which i think i can well undertake now to do at home there being pembleton i danced and i think shall come on to do something in a little time and after dinner by coach with sir w pen setting down his daughter at clerkenwell to st james's where we attended the duke of york and among other things sir g carteret and i had a great dispute about the different value of the pieces of eight rated by mr creed at four shillings and five pence and by pitts at four shillings and nine pence which was the greatest husbandry to the king he persisting that the greatest sum was which is as ridiculous a piece of ignorance as could be imagined however it is to be argued at the board and reported to the duke next week which i shall do with advantage i hope thence to the tangier committee where we should have concluded in sending captain cuttons and the rest to tangier to deliberate upon the design of the mole before they begin to work upon it but there being not a committee my lord intending to be there but was taken up at my lady castlemaine's i parted and went homeward after a little discourse with mr pierce the surgeon who tells me that my lady castlemaine hath now got lodgings near the king's chamber at court and that the other day dr clark and he did dissect two bodies a man and a woman before the king with which the king was highly pleased by water and called upon tom trice by appointment with dr williams but the doctor did not come it seems by t trice's desire not thinking he should be at leisure however in general we talked of our business and i do not find that he will come to any lower terms than a hundred and fifty pounds which i think i shall not give him but by law and so we parted and i called upon mr crumlin and did give him the ten shillings remaining not laid out of the five pounds i promised him for the school with which he will buy strings and golden letters upon the books i did give them i sat with him and his wife a great while talking and she is a pretty woman never yet with child and methinks looks as if her mouth watered now and then upon some of her boys then upon tom pepys the turner desiring his father in his letter to pigot signifying his consent to the selling of his land for the paying of us his money and so home and finding pemmelton there we did dance till it was late and so to supper and to bed 
Twelfth. Up between four and five, and after dressing myself, then to my office, to prepare business against the afternoon, where all the morning, and dined at noon at home, were a little angry with my wife for minding nothing now but the dancing-master, having him come twice a day, which is a folly. Again to my office. We sat till late, our chief business being the reconciling the business of the pieces of eight mentioned yesterday, before the Duke of York, wherein I have got the day, and they are all brought over to what I said, of which I am proud. Late writing letters, and so home to supper and to bed. Here I found Queed staying for me, and so after supper I stayed him all night and lay with me, our great discourse being the folly of our two doting nights, of which I am ashamed. Thirteenth. Lay till six o'clock, and then up, and after a little talk and mirth he went away, and I to my office, where busy all the morning, and at noon home to dinner, and after dinner Pembleton came and I practised. But, Lord, to see how my wife will not be thought to need telling by me or Ashwell, and yet will plead that she has learnt but a month, which causes many short fallings out between us. So to my office, whither one-eyed Cooper came to see me, and I made him to show me the use of plats, and to understand the lines, and how to find how lands bear, etc., to my great content. Then came Mr. Barrow, storekeeper of Chatham, who tells me many things, how basely Sir W. Batten has carried himself to him, and in all things else like a passionate dotard, to the king's great wrong. God mend all, for I am sure we are but in an ill condition in the navy, however the king is served in other places. Home to supper, to cards, and to bed. Fourteenth. Up betimes, and put up some things to send to Brampton. Then abroad to the temple, and up and down about business, and met Mr. Moore, and with him to an alehouse in Holborn, where in discourse he told me that he fears the king will be tempted to endeavour the setting the crown upon the little duke, which may cause troubles, which God forbid, unless it be his due. He told me my lord do begin to settle to business again, which I am glad of, for he must not sit out, now he has done his own business by getting his estate settled, and that the king did send for him the other day to my lady Castlemaine's to play at cards, where he lost fifty pounds, for which I am sorry, though he says my lord was pleased at it, and said he would be glad at any time to lose fifty pounds for the king to send for him to play, which I do not so well like. Thence home, and after dinner to the office, where we sat till night, and then made up my papers and letters by the post, and so home to dance with Pembleton. This day we received a basket from my sister Paul, made by her of paper, which hath a great deal of labour in it for country innocent work. After supper to bed, and going to bed received a letter from Mr. Coventry, desiring my coming to him to-morrow morning, which troubled me to think what the business should be, fearing it must be some bad news in Tom Hayter's business. Fifteenth. Up betimes, and walked to St. James, where Mr. Coventry being in bed, I walked in the park, discoursing with the keeper of the Pall who was sweeping of it, who told me of what the earth is mixed that do floor the mall, and that over all there's cockle shells powdered and spread to keep it fast, which, however, in dry weather, turns to dust and deads the ball. Thence to Mr. Coventry, and sitting by his bedside, he did tell me that he sent for me to discourse upon my Lord Sandwich's allowances for his several pays, and what his thoughts are concerning his demands, which he could not take the freedom to do face to face, it being not so proper as by me, and did give me a most friendly and ingenuous account of all, telling me how unsafe at this juncture, while every man's and his actions particularly are discanted upon, it is either for him to put the duke upon doing, or my lord himself to desire anything extraordinary, especially the king having been so bountiful already, which the world takes notice of even to some repinings all which he did desire me to discourse with my lord of, which I have undertook to do. We talked also of our office in general, with which he told me that he was nowadays nothing so satisfied as he was wont to be. 
i confess i told him things are ordered in that way that we must of necessity break in a little time a pieces after done with him about these things he told me that for mr hater the duke's word was in short that he found he had a good servant an anabaptist and unless he did carry himself more to the scandal of the office he would bear with his opinion till he heard further which do please me very much thence walked to westminster and there up and down in the hall and the parliament house all the morning at noon by coach to my lord crews hearing that lord sandwich did dine there where i told him what had passed between mr coventry and myself with which he was contented though i could perceive not very well pleased and i do believe that my lord do find some other things go against his mind in the house for in the motion made the other day in the house by my lord bruce that none be capable of employment but such as have been loyal and constant to the king and church the general and my lord were mentioned to be accepted and my lord bruce did come since to my lord to clear himself that he meant nothing to his prejudice nor could it have any such effect if he did mean it after discourse with my lord to dinner with him there dining there my lord montague of boughton mr william montague his brother the queen's solicitor etc and a fine dinner there talk about a ridiculous falling out two days ago at my lord of oxford's house at an entertainment of his there being there my lord of albemarle lindsay two of the porters my lord bellassus and others where there were high words and some blows and pulling off of periwigs till my lord monk took away some of their swords and sent for some soldiers to guard the house till the fray was ended to such a degree of madness the nobility of this age is come after dinner i went up to sir thomas crewe who lies there not very well in his head being troubled with vapours and fits of dizziness and there i sat talking with him all the afternoon from one discourse to another the most was upon the unhappy posture of things at this time that the king do mind nothing but pleasures and hates the very sight or thoughts of business that my lady castlemaine rules him who he says hath all the tricks of aratine that are to be practised to give pleasure in which he is too able but what is the unhappiness in that as the italian proverb says lazo dritto non volt consiglio if any of the sober counsellors give him good advice and move him in anything that is to his good and honour the other part which are his counsellors of pleasure take him when he is with my lady castlemaine and in a humour of delight and then persuade him that he ought not to hear nor listen to the advice of those old dotards or counsellors that were heretofore his enemies when god knows it is they that nowadays do most study his honour it seems the present favourites now are my lord bristol duke of buckingham sir h bennet my lord ashley and sir charles barclay who among them have cast my lord chancellor upon his back past ever getting up again there being now little for him to do and he waits at court attending to speak to the king as others do which i pray god may prove of good effects for it is feared it will be the same with my lord treasurer shortly but strange to hear how my lord ashley by my lord bristol's means he being brought over to the catholic party against the bishops whom he hates to the death and publicly rails against them not that he has become a catholic but merely opposes the bishops and yet for aught i hear the bishop of london keeps as great with the king as ever is got into favour so much that being a man of great business and yet of pleasure and drolling too he it is thought will be made lord treasurer upon the death or removal of the good old man my lord albemarle i hear do bear through and bustle among them and will not be removed from the king's good opinion and favour though none of the cabinet but yet he is envied enough it is made very doubtful whether the king do not intend the making of the duke of monmouth legitimate but surely the commons of england will never do it nor the duke of york suffer it whose lady i am told is very troublesome to him by her jealousy but it is wonderful that sir charles barclay should be so great still not only with the king but duke also who did so stiffly swear that he had lain with her 
and another one armour that he rode before her on horseback in Holland, I think. No care is observed to be taken of the main chance, either for maintaining of trade or opposing of factions, which God knows are ready to break out if any of them, which God forbid, should dare to begin, the king and every man about him minding so much their pleasures or profits. My lord Hinchingbrook, I am told, hath had a mischance to kill his boy by his birding piece going off as he was a-fowling. The gun was charged with small shot and hit the boy in the face and about the temples, and he lived four days. In Scotland, it seems, for all the news-books tell us every week that they are all so quiet, and everything in the church settled. The old woman had liked to have killed the other day the Bishop of Galloway, and not half the churches of the whole kingdom conform. Strange were the effects of the late thunder and lightning about a week since at Northampton, coming with great rain, which caused extraordinary floods in a few hours, bearing away bridges, drowning horses, men, and cattle. Two men passing over a bridge on horseback, the archers before and behind them were borne away, and that left which they were upon, but however one of the horses fell over and was drowned. Stacks of faggots carried as high as a steeple, and other dreadful things, which Sir Thomas Crewe showed me letters to him about from Mr. Fremantle and others, that it is very true. The Portugals have choused us, it seems, in the island of Bombay, in the East Indies, for after a great charge of our fleets being sent thither with full commission from the king of portugal to receive it the governor by some pretence or other will not deliver it to sir abraham shipman sent from the king nor to my lord of marlborough which the king takes highly ill and i fear our queen will fare the worse for it the dutch decay there exceedingly it being believed that their people will revolt from them there and they forced to give over their trade this is talked of among us but how true i understand not Sir Thomas showed me his picture and Sir Anthony Van Dyke's in crayon in little, done exceedingly well. Having thus freely talked with him, and of many more things, I took leave, and by coach to St. James's, and there told Mr. Coventry what I had done with my lord with great satisfaction, and so well pleased home, where I found it almost night, and my wife and the dancing-master alone above, not dancing, but talking. Now so deadly full of jealousy I am, that my heart and head did so cast about and fret, that I could not do any business possibly, but went out to my office, and anon late home again, and ready to chide at everything, and then suddenly to bed, and could hardly sleep, yet does not say anything, but was forced to say that I had bad news from the Duke concerning Tom Hater, as an excuse to my wife, who by my folly has too much opportunity given her with the man, who is a pretty neat black man, but married. But it is a deadly folly and plague that I bring upon myself to be so jealous, and by giving myself such an occasion more than my wife desired of giving her another month's dancing, which, however, shall be ended as soon as I can, possibly. But I am ashamed to think what a course I did take by lying, to see whether my wife did wear drawers to-day, as she used to do, and other things to raise my suspicion of her, but I found no true cause of doing it. Sixteenth. Up with my mind disturbed, and with my last night's doubts upon me, for which I deserve to be beaten, if not really served as I am fearful of being especially since God knows that I do not find honesty enough in my own mind, but that upon a small temptation I could be false to her, and therefore ought not to expect more justice from her, but God pardon both my sin and my folly herein. To my office, and there sitting all the morning, and at noon dined at home. After dinner comes Pembleton, and I being out of humour would not see him pretending business. But, Lord, with what jealousy did I walk up and down my chamber, listening to hear whether they danced or no, which they did, notwithstanding I afterwards knew, and did then believe that Ashwell was with them. So to my office a while, and my jealousy still reigning, I went in, and, not out of any pleasure, but from that only reason, did go up to them to practice, and did make an end of La Duchesse, which I think I should 
with a little pains do very well so broke up and saw him gone then captain cock coming to me to speak about my seeming discourtesy to him in the business of his hemp i went to the office with him and there discoursed it largely and i think to his satisfaction then to my business writing letters and other things till late at night and so home to supper and bed my mind in some better ease resolving to prevent matters for the time to come as much as i can it being to no purpose to trouble myself for what is past being occasioned too by my own folly seventeenth lord's day up and in my chamber all the morning preparing my great letters to my father stating to him the perfect condition of our estate my wife and ashwell to church and after dinner they to church again and i all the afternoon making an end of my morning's work which i did about the evening and then to talk with my wife till after supper and so to bed having another small falling out and myself vexed with my old fit of jealousy about her dancing-master but i am a fool for doing it so to bed by daylight i having a very great cold so as i doubt whether i shall be able to speak to-morrow at our attending the duke being now so hoarse eighteenth up and after taking leave of sir w batten who is gone this day towards portsmouth to little purpose god knows upon his survey i home and spent the morning at dancing at noon creed dined with us and mr dean woolwich and so after dinner came mr howe who however had enough for his dinner and so having done by coach to westminster she to mrs clark and i to st james's where the duke being gone down by water to-day with the king i went thence to my lord sandwich's lodgings where mr howe and i walked a while and going towards whitehall through the garden dr clark and creed called me across the bowling green and so i went thither and after a stay went up to mrs clark who was dressing herself to go abroad with my wife but lord in what a poor condition her best chamber is and things about her for all the outside and show that she makes but i found her just such a one as mrs pierce contrary to my expectation so much that i am sick and sorry to see it thence for an hour creed and i walked to whitehall and into the park seeing the queen and maids of honour passing through the house going to the park but above all mrs stuart is a fine woman and they say now a common mistress to the king as my lady castlemaine is which is a great pity thence taking a coach to mrs clark's took her and my wife and ashwell and a frenchman a kinsman of hers to the park where we saw many fine faces and one exceeding handsome in a white dress over her head with many others very beautiful staying there till past eight at night i carried mrs clark and her frenchman who sings well home and thence home ourselves talking much of what we had observed to-day of the poor household stuff of mrs clark and mere show and flutter that she makes in the world and pleasing myself in my own house and manner of living more than ever i did by seeing how much better and more substantially i live than others do so to supper and bed nineteenth up pretty betimes but yet i observe how my dancing and lying a morning or two longer than ordinary for my cold do make me hard to rise as i used to do or look after my business as i am wont to my chamber to make an end of my papers to my father to be sent by the post to-night and taking copies of them which was a great work but i did it this morning and so to my office and thence with sir john minnes to the tower and by mr slingsby and mr howard controller of the mint we were shown the method of making this new money from the beginning to the end which is so pretty that i did take a note of every part of it and set them down by themselves for my remembrance hereafter that being done it was dinner-time and so the controller would have us dine with him and his company the king giving them a dinner every day and very merry and good discourse about the business we have been upon and after dinner went to the assay office and there saw the manner of assaying of gold and silver 
and how silver melted down with gold to do part just being put into aqua fortis the silver turning into water and the gold lying whole in the very form it was put in mixed of gold and silver which is a miracle and to see no silver at all but turned into water which they can bring again into itself out of the water and here i was made thoroughly to understand the business of the fineness and coarseness of metals and have put down my lessons with my other observations therein at table among other discourse they told us of two cheats the best i ever heard one of a labourer discovered to convey away the bits of silver cut out pence by swallowing them down into his belly and so they could not find him out though of course they searched all the labourers but having reason to doubt him they did by threats and promises get him to confess and did find seven pounds of it in his house at one time the other of one that got away of coining money as good and passable and large as the true money is and yet save fifty per cent to himself which was by getting moles made to stamp groats like old groats which is done so well and i did beg two of them which i keep for rarities that there is not better in the world and is as good nay better than those that commonly go which was the only thing that they could find out to doubt them by besides the number that the party did go to put off and then coming to the control of the mint he could not i say find out any other thing to raise any doubt upon but only their being so truly round or near it though i should never have doubted the thing neither he was neither hanged nor burned the cheat was thought so ingenious and being the first time they could ever trap him in it and so little hurt to any man in it the money being as good as commonly goes thence to the office till the evening we sat and then by water taking pembleton with us over the water to the halfway house where we played at ninepins and there my damned jealousy took fire he and my wife being off her side and i seeing of him take her by the hand in play though i now believe he did it only in passing and sport thence home and being ten o'clock was forced to land beyond the custom-house and so walked home and to my office and having dispatched my great letters by the post to my father of which i keep copies to show by me and for my future understanding i went home to supper and bed being late the most observables in the making of money which i observe to-day is the steps of their doing it one before they do anything they assay the bullion which is done if it be gold by taking an equal weight of that and of silver of each a small weight which they reckon to be six ounces or half a pound troy this they wrap up in within lead if it be silver they put such a quantity of that alone and wrap it up in lead and then putting them into little earthen cups made of stuff like tobacco pipes and put them into a burning hot furnace where after a while the whole body is melted and at last the lead in both is sunk into the body of the cup which carries away all the copper or dross with it and left the pure gold and silver embodied together of that which hath both been put into the cup together and the silver alone in these where it was put alone in the leaden case and to part the silver and the gold in the first experiment they put the mixed body into a glass of aqua fortis which separates them by spitting out the silver into such small parts that you cannot tell what it becomes but turns into the very water and leaves the gold at the bottom clear of itself with the silver wholly spit out and yet the gold in the form that it was doubled together in when it was a mixed body of gold and silver which is a great mystery and after all this is done to get the silver together out of the water is as strange but the nature of the assay is thus the piece of gold that goes into the furnace twelve ounces if it comes out again eleven ounces and the piece of silver which goes in twelve and comes out again eleven and two pennyweight are just of the alloy of the standard of england if it comes out either of them either the gold above eleven as very fine will sometimes within very little of what it went in or the silver above eleven and two pennyweight as that also will sometimes come out eleven and ten pennyweight or more 
they are so much above the goodness of the standard and so they know what proportion of worse gold and silver to put to such a quantity of the bullion to bring it to the exact standard and on the contrary if it comes out lighter than such a weight is beneath the standard and so requires such a proportion of fine metal to be put to the bullion to bring it to the standard and this is the difference of good and bad better and worse than the standard and also the difference of standards that of seville being the best and that of mexico worst and i think they said none but seville is better than ours two they melt it into long plates which if the mould do take air then the plate is not of an equal heaviness in every part of it as it often falls out three they draw these plates between rollers to bring them to an even thickness all along and every plate of the same thickness and it is very strange how the drawing it twice easily between the rollers will make it as hot as fire yet cannot touch it four they bring it to another pair of rollers which they call adjusting it which bring it to a greater exactness in its thickness than the first could be five they cut them into round pieces which they do with the greatest ease speed and exactness in the world six they weigh these and where they find any to be too heavy they file them which they call sizing them or light they lay them by which is very seldom but they are of a most exact weight but however in the melting all parts by some accident not being close alike now and then a difference will be and this filing being done there shall not be any imaginable difference almost between the weight of forty of these against another forty chosen by chance out of all their heaps seven these round pieces having been cut out of the plates which in passing the rollers are bent they are sometimes a little crooked or swelling out or sinking in and therefore they have a way of clapping one hundred or two together into an engine which with a screw presses them so hard that they come out as flat as is possible eight they blanch them nine they mark the letters on the edges which is kept as the great secret by blondeau who was not in the way and so i did not speak with him to-day ten they mill them that is put on the marks on both sides at once with great exactness and speed and then the money is perfect the mill is after this manner one of the dies which has one side of the piece cut is fastened to a thing fixed below and the other die and they tell me a pair of dies will last the marking of ten thousand pounds before it be worn out they and all other their tools being made of hardened steel and the dutchman who makes them is an admirable artist and has so much by the pound for every pound that is coin to find a constant supply of dies to an engine above which is movable by a screw which is pulled by men and then a piece being clapped by one sitting below between the two dies when they meet the impression is set and then the man with his finger strikes off the piece and claps another in and then the other men they pull again and that is marked and then another and another with great speed they say that this way is more charged to the king than the old way but it is neater freer from clipping or counterfeiting the putting of the words upon the edges being not to be done though counterfeited without an engine of the charge and noise that no counterfeit will be at or venture upon and it employs as many men as the old and speedier they now coin between sixteen and twenty four thousand pounds in a week at dinner they did discourse very finely to us of the probability that there is a vast deal of money hid in the land from this that in king charles's time there was near ten millions of money coined besides what was then in being of king james's and queen elizabeth's of which there is a good deal at this day in being next that there was but seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds coined of the harp and cross money and of this there was five hundred thousand pounds brought in upon its being called in and from very good arguments they find that there cannot be less of it in ireland and scotland than one hundred thousand pounds so that there is but one hundred and fifty thousand pounds missing and of that suppose that there should be not above six hundred and fifty thousand still remaining either melted down hid or lost or hoarded up in england 
there will then be but one hundred thousand pounds left to be thought to have been transported now if seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds in twelve years time lost but a hundred thousand pounds in danger of being transported then within thirty-five years time will have lost but three million eight hundred and eighty-eight thousand eight hundred and eighty and odd pounds and as there's six hundred and fifty thousand pounds remaining after twelve years time in england so after thirty-five years time which was within this two years there ought in proportion to have been resting six million one hundred and eleven thousand one hundred and twenty pounds or thereabouts beside king james's and queen elizabeth's money now that most of this must be hid is evident as they reckon because of the dearth of money immediately upon the calling in of the state's money which was five hundred thousand pounds that came in and yet there was not any money to be had in this city which they say to their own observation and knowledge was so and therefore though i can say nothing in it myself i do not dispute it twentieth up into my office and anon home and to see my wife dancing with pembleton about noon and i to the trinity house to dinner and after dinner home and there met pembleton who i perceive has dined with my wife which she takes no notice of but whether that proceeds out of design or fear to displease me i know not but it put me into a great disorder again that i could mind nothing but vexing but however i continued my resolution of going down by water to woolwich took my wife and ashwell and going out met mr howe come to see me whose horse we caused to be set up and took him with us the tide against us so i went ashore at greenwich before and did my business at the yard about putting things in order as to their proceeding to build a new yacht ordered to be built by christopher pett and so to woolwich town where at an alehouse i found them ready to attend my coming and so took boat again it being cold and i sweating with my walk which was very pleasant along the green come and peas and most of the way sang he and i and eat some cold meat we had and with great pleasure home and so he took horse again and pembleton coming we danced a country dance or two and so broke up and to bed my mind restless and like to be so while she learns to dance god forgive my folly twenty-first up but cannot get up so early as i was wont nor my mind to business as it should be and used to be before this dancing however to my office where most of the morning talking of captain cox of chatham about his and the whole yard's difference against mr barrow the storekeeper wherein i told him my mind clearly that he would be upheld against the design of any to ruin him he being we all believed but sir w batten his mortal enemy as good a servant as any the king has in the yard after much good advice and other talk i home and dance with pembleton and then the barber trimmed me and so to dinner my wife and i having high words about her dancing to that degree that i did enter and make a vow to myself not to oppose her or say anything to dispraise or correct her therein as long as her month lasts in pain of two shillings sixpence for every time which if god pleases i will observe for this roguish business has brought us more disquiet than anything that has happened a great while after dinner to my office where late and then home and pembleton being there again we fell to dance a country dance or two and so to supper and bed but being at supper my wife did say something that caused me to oppose her in she used the word devil which vexed me and among other things i said i would not have her to use that word upon which she took me up most scornfully which before ashwell and the rest of the world i know not nowadays how to check as i would heretofore for less than that would have made me strike her so that i fear without great discretion i shall go near to lose too my command over her and nothing do it more than giving her this occasion of dancing and other pleasures whereby her mind is taken up from her business and finds other sweets besides pleasing of me and so makes her that she begins not at all to take pleasure in me or study to please me as heretofore but if this month of her dancing were but out as my first was this night and i paid off pembleton for myself 
I shall hope with a little pains to bring her to her old wont. This day, Susan that lived with me lately being out of service, and I doubt a simple wench, my wife do take her for a little time to try her at least till she goes into the country, which I am yet doubtful whether it will be best for me to send her or no, for fear of her running off in her liberty, before I have brought her to her right temper again. 22nd. Up pretty betimes, and shall, I hope, come to myself and business again, after small playing the truant, for I find that my interest and profit do grow daily, for which God be praised, and keep me to my duty. To my office, and anon one tells me that Rundell, the house-carpenter of Deptford, has sent me a fine blackbird, which I went to see. He tells me he was offered twenty shillings for him as he came along, he do so whistle. So to my office, and busy all the morning, among other things, learning to understand the course of the tides, and I think I do now do it. At noon Mr. Creed comes to me, and he and I to the exchange, where I had much discourse with several merchants, and so home with him to dinner, and then by water to Greenwich, and calling at the little alehouse at the end of the town to wrap a rag about my little left toe, being new sore with walking. We walked pleasantly to Woolwich, in our way hearing the nightingale sing, so to Woolwich Yard, and after doing many things there, among others preparing myself for a dispute against Sir W. Penn, in the business of barriers, wherein he is guilty of some corruption to the king's wrong, we walk back again without drinking, which I never do, because I would not make my coming troublesome to any, nor would become obliged too much to any. In our going back we were overtook by Mr. Steventon, a purser, and uncle to my clerk Will, who told me how he was abused in the passing of his accounts by Sir J. Minnis, to the degree that I am ashamed to hear it, and resolve to retrieve the matter if I can, though the poor man has given it over, and, however, am pleased enough to see that others do see his folly and dotage as well as myself, though I believe in my mind the man in general means well. Took boat at Greenwich, and to Deptford, where I did the same thing, and found Davis, the storekeeper, a knave, and shuffling in the business of bupers, being of the party with Young and Whistler to abuse the king, but I hope I shall be even with them. So walked to Redriff, drinking at the halfway house, and so walked on by water to Whitehall, all our way by water coming and going, reading a little book, said to be writ by a person of quality concerning English gentry to be preferred before titular honours, but the most silly nonsense, no sense nor grammar, yet in as good words that ever I saw in all my life, but from beginning to end you met not with one entire and regular sentence. At Whitehall Sir G. Carteret was out of the way, and so returned back presently, and home by water, and to bed. 23rd. Waked this morning between four and five by my blackbird, which whistles as well as ever I heard any, only it is the beginning of many tunes very well, but there leaves them, and goes no further. So up into my office where we sat, and among other things I had a fray with Sir J. Minnis in defence of my will, in a business where the old coxcomb would have put a foot upon him, which was only in Jack Davis and in him a downright piece of knavery, in procuring a double ticket and getting the wrong one paid, as well as the second was to the true party. Home to dinner, and after dinner by water to the temple, and there took my lie-out vile book bound up with blank paper for new lessons. Thence to Greater Exus, and there seeing Sir J. Minnis and Sir W. Penn go by coach, I went into them and to Whitehall, where in the matted gallery Mr. Coventry was, who told us how the Parliament have required of Sir G. Carteret and him an account what money shall be necessary to be settled upon the Navy for the ordinary charge, which they intend to report two hundred thousand pounds per annum, and how to allot this we met this afternoon, and took their papers for our perusal, 
and so we parted. Only there was walking in the gallery some of the Barbary company, and there we saw a draught of the arms of the company, which the king is of, and so is called the royal company, which is in a field argent and elephant proper, with a canton on which England and France is quartered, supported by two moors. The crest and anchor winged, I think it is, and the motto too tedious. Regio floret, patrocinio commercium, commercio que regnum. Then spat by water to greater excess, and there he showed me his varnish which he had invented, which appears every whit as good, upon a stick which he hath done, as the Indian, though it did not do very well upon my paper ruled with music lines, for it sunk and did not shine. Thence home by water, and after danced with Pendleton to my office, and wrote by the post to Sir W. Batten at Portsmouth, to send for him up against next Wednesday, being our trial day against Field at Guildhall, in which God give us good end. So home, to supper, and to bed. 24th, Lord's Day. Having taken one of Mr. Holliard's pills last night, it brought a stool or two this morning, and so forbore going to church this morning, but stayed at home looking over my papers about Tom Trice's business, and so at noon dined, and my wife telling me that there was a pretty lady come to church with Peg Penn to-day, I against my intention had a mind to go to church to see her, and did so, and she is pretty handsome. But over against our gallery I espied Pembleton, and saw him leer upon my wife all the sermon, I taking no notice of him, and my wife upon him, and I observed she made a curtsey to him at coming out without taking notice to me at all of it, which, with the consideration of her being desirous these two last Lord's days to go to church both forenoon and afternoon, do really make me suspect something more than ordinary, though I am loath to think the worst, but yet it put, and do still keep me at a great loss in my mind, and makes me curse the time that I consented to her dancing, and more my continuing it a second month, which was more than she desired, even after I had seen too much of her carriage with him but I must have patience and get her into the country, or at least to make an end of her learning to dance as soon as I can. After sermon to Sir W. Penn's with Sir J. Minnes to do a little business to answer Mr. Coventry to-night, and so home and with my wife and Ashwell into the garden, walking a great while, discoursing what this pretty wench should be by her garb and deportment. With respect to Mrs. Penn, she may be her woman, but only that she sat in the pew with her, which I believe he would not let her do. So home, and read to my wife a fable or two in Ogilby's Aesop, and so to supper, and then to prayers, and to bed. My wife this evening discoursing of making clothes for the country, which I seem against, pleading lack of money. But I am glad of it in some respects, because of getting her out of the way from this fellow, and my own liberty to look after my business more than of late I have done. So to prayers, and to bed. This morning it seems Susan, who I think is distracted, or, however, is, since she went from me, taught to drink, and so gets out of doors two or three times a day without leave to the alehouse, did go before five o'clock to-day, making Griffin rise in his shirt to let her out to the alehouse, she said to warm herself. But her mistress, falling out with her about it, turned her out of doors this morning, and so she's gone, like an idle slut. I took a pill also this night. End of May, Part 1